You're listening to the Driven by Design Award Season Weekly Wrap, Week 1 of 30. I'm Mark Bergen. Each week, I'll be joined by a design giant, and we'll be reviewing a selection of projects, deadlines, and supporters throughout our award season. This week's design giant is Kirsten Mann. Kirsten is the General Manager of Global Design Experience at Aconex. Hello, Kirsten. Welcome. Hi, Mark. I'm still reveling in being a design giant. That's uh, fantastic. I, look, <laughs> I, what I love is if you come up with a different term, everyone actually gets a little bit comfortable or uncomfortable with it. That takes courage. That's what we're all about. <laughs> so, so, Kirsten, you're here to go and help me out today with the overall program that we've got, but I need you to help me out with something first. Mm-hmm. The Aconex website tells me that Aconex are the world's most trusted construction management platform connecting project teams and processes. Um, you're going to have to explain a bit more of that, but I also want to find out what happens in your week as a, the GM of design experience. Right. Um, just listening to that, it's um, our marketing team's created quite a mouthful there, isn't it? But basically, we're here to transform the way that people work together on projects. That's really our mission. And my role as GM of Global Design Experience is to make sure we're designing the best experience across our platform for the people who use our application every day to create amazing projects globally. Now, you told me a few years ago that you were actually finding the mobile apps that you were making, that it wasn't that there was less in the mobile app, there was actually more because you had people who were working in circumstances where they needed to be able to go take photos, they needed to be able to go draw on screens, and they, and you found that the workforce was actually saying, hey, we've got an enhanced interface which is happening on the mobile platform, whereas most people are actually working out how to put less on their mobile. So you've got a really interesting relationship with a very broad range of users. Completely. And it, was, it wasn't it was popular at the time because people were very much into you know designing single tasks for the mobile. A mobile app should just have one single task. We took a different approach and said, what do people need to do when they're out on the field and on sites? What is everything they need access to so they can have the information to make the best decisions possible? So that's the approach we took and that's the experience. We're also very big about um, making it sure it's a seamless experience. So things I start in the office, I should be able to finish on site, not have to make a note and then go back in and finish it later. Well, I know one of the projects that we're looking at, I, I think could be you know, some uh, is untapping some new people for you to go work with yeah. Aconex <laughs> because that idea of having different modalities, uh, people with uh, varying capacities uh, across that uh, network of work that or the uh, workflow that's in there. I think they're all very important for us to work out how do we go make sure that we're bringing people along in the digital future, not leaving some of them behind. Completely. And we've found projects are successful and why people use us is because we're all about connecting people so they can collaborate together. Now, And that means getting everybody in that extended network working on a project to develop something amazing, not just a couple of select people, you know, the architects or something leading, leading the charge. It has to be everyone. Otherwise, you don't get success from these projects. Okay, so let's let's now head into the awards wrap for this week. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the listeners, uh, don't worry, you don't have to go and find everything yourself on the Driven by Design site. There will be links to every one of the projects. There will be links to the Aconex site. There is a link to me, a link to Kirsten. There's a link to probably some things that we'll just find out as we go through this conversation here. But um, we're going to be in Munich, Seoul, the Netherlands, New York, Chicago, Dubai, London, Melbourne and Sydney, all in about the next 15 minutes. So it's a world Without tour any design. of the jet lag. <laughs> None of the jet lag, which for me is so good. I, 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 I love doing these awards around the world, but I hate the jet lag. 
The people are fantastic. The jet lag, it sucks. So if anybody can work out how to get rid of that, give me a call. I, I, and I, I think what's amazing about what you've assembled here, Mark, is that you would never know about half these projects. You know, we can, we can be a bit isolated sometimes. And going through these, I'm just fascinated about what is going on in across the world. And you've managed to bring that all together. Yeah, and I think when I had the vision of putting this together a decade ago, it was all about this globality and the language around it. And we know that, you know, design's got its people around the design craft and there's people around the design management, there's people in design strategy, and there's also the people who are in design culture. Our focus is actually finding out how do we actually celebrate that strategy and culture side. We're always going to pick up great design management. We're always going to go pick up the great craft work that's in there. But if we don't work out how to get to, to people on the demand side, if we don't work out how to have that conversation, we're not going to get there. And their world isn't actually in the minutiae of the execution of the project. It's probably in learning from other projects around the world. So that's why we're really pleased to bring this award season together, 30 weeks. I'm sure around week 10, we'll say we've worked it out and we've got it all patterned down. Uh, by about week 20, we'll be saying, are we there yet? And by week 30, we get that lovely rush because we're out giving out lots of trophies all around the world. So let's get straight into these projects here. Your first project this week. I'm looking at Lillian Jet first. And the Lillian Jet, it's uh, it's from Munich. It's uh, in the Next Design Awards. It's a, a concept project here. Although we have seen in the video that they've got, they've got a working prototype. Oh, it, it, this, that video. And again, you referenced that there'll be links to all of this out of every video. Well, actually, there's brilliant videos everywhere. But this was one straight away. I was like, this is amazing watching this video. It's basically, a, it's a battery-operated vertical takeoff and landing system. And hang, so, wait, hang on. What's a vertical takeoff and landing system? Well, it's essentially a bit like a helicopter. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> but I think it, it, it's really the Tesla for the sky. That's what's exciting about this project. So, so now where we had everything was that, Uber for business or the Airbnb <laughs> for business. We've now got things are the Tesla of the sky. Complete. And awesome. look, you understand it, right? When people could give you the, the metaphor of what it relates to, you think, right, I've got this now. And I think it's what's really interesting is that it's, it's really cool. Of course, it's really exciting, but it's changing the way we're going to be able to think about transportation. That for me is a key thing. They're leapfrogging ahead of other people's technologies and taking that and putting a whole different slant and I think we were talking before, Mark, just about what they've really narrowed in on here is that to operate this, you don't need two hundred or 20,000 hours of helicopter flight license. Yeah, and, and that, that's something that's really interesting that you've got the, um, say, artificial intelligence learning that's coming through. And if you think about it, the, the Lilium vehicle will actually learn at a rate faster than any helicopter pilot. It will go and collect all of, uh, similar to what Tesla are doing with their drive-by-wire drive systems and the autonomous vehicles. We're going to go see the helicopter pilot as a mode of transport as being something that's not so important anymore, which will mean that some of the more technical lifting work that they do in, in recovery, rescue work is probably where they're going to wind up. But the idea of just being a taxing service to get me to or from a race meeting so that I can have my champagne and, 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 and wear a black tie or whatever, those days will be gone and Lillian are well and truly there. Now, we know that Dubai have announced that they're interested in having um, uh, flying taxis and that they're well tuned to go, go do that. 
obviously here, the Lilium guys are well set for it. There's four founders in the company. Gives you an idea how big that That's problem really is. That's really unusual, isn't it? Like normally, you know, not two is the norm, but clearly they've got a challenge here that they've had to bring so many areas together to solve this problem. Exactly. And uh, and so we look forward to see where it gets into the woods. So, so I'm now going to head across into my first project, which is the Dot Watch. Now... The Dot Watch from Dot, I think there might be a branding issue there, but uh, the Dot Watch <laughs> from Dot is a social design uh, project in the Next Design Awards. What I really like about this project is that it's actually helping people to be brought along. I mentioned that before, the idea of technologies and projects that actually bring people along, not leave them behind, to me is fantastic. In their video, they talk about the fact that there hasn't been a lot of innovation for the last 20 years. And I know with some work that I did around uh, vision impairment about 10 or 15 years ago, what we found were the technical standards that were being imposed were about 15 years behind mm. the technology that people were using. So so this is a well and truly underserved part of the market. But it's a huge part of the market. Like they talk about how there's 280 million visually impaired people globally. And so that's a huge portion of our population who is just missing out on being included. And and there's a, a lovely story about a law professor here here in Melbourne. If you, if you go to this particular law professor, you have the absolute gun. This is the, this is the guy that will teach you to be the best lawyer in the country, and he's blind. Wow. And what's interesting there is the different ability that he has is that for him, all law is about precedent, which is what's recorded in writing. Yes. That's all he's concerned with. He's not worried about the way that somebody's presented it. He's not worried. It's just about what was documented and that gives a unique ability because he's interested in just the written word and the interpretation of that. And not being deterred by all the surrounding things that when we do have our visuals, senses about us, we can kind of see, we kind of get seduced by some of those things, right? And not focus on the message, which is what he would be hearing day in, day out. And I think to your point, Mark, what's fantastic about this, it's bringing people along. It's not leaving them behind. So straight away, we could be through things like DOT, we could see a whole area of the workforce included in what we're doing that haven't been able to really participate before. It's been the other group. Yeah, and, and we, I recall in my very early days of work, um, I had uh, some experience around telecommunications. And things like switchboard operators, there were a lot of people who were vision impaired working switchboards because there was a set of tasks there that they were able to go do. Those, those days are gone. Yeah. I haven't seen many opportunities that have actually brought people with vision impairment into the modern day. The idea that this is the the eye watch for vision impaired people, to me, astounding. Let's move on to the next project. Okay, so this is Isho by Pauline Von Doggen. Um, now, what's fantastic about this, it's basically a touch-sensitive uh, denim jacket is what they've they've put the um, device in, but it's really touch sensitive materials is what um, generated this, and what excited me about this and it's so basically you know you could be wearing these materials or this jacket and it sense feel a hug. So how bizarre is that? Like I could be sitting there and, and suddenly feel something hugging me. And you think, well, is that a bit creepy, right? But having been, having a child on the autism spectrum, for example, 
a big thing is being able to manage hypersensitivity and things like hugging and compression are so important. So for me, being able to have a child dressed in something like that and send that signal, say, or, or they can say, hey, I'm feeling a bit distressed and you can give them that by not being there yep. is amazing. Like this is connecting people. And, you know, that, that we, we'd also discussed that idea for um, children who are on the autism spectrum and, and how it can help them, whether it's therapeutic or it's supportive. Being able to give grandma a hug. Complete. Okay, so that you've got tele-hugs happening between between grandma and the grandchildren. Or if you've got absent absent parents either for work or maybe shared custody that the parents can actually share that connection there. I see this as being fantastic. It's the second generation that we've seen of smart textiles that are coming through. A great project from the Netherlands there. But um, now we're going to zip over to New York. Let's, uh, let's head over to New York. So in particular, we're going to the most pla- uh, New York place I think you can go, which is going <laughs> to Times Square. Um, this project is, uh, what, seven or eight years in the marketplace. Um, I'm sure the people over at the the Department of Transport and also uh, the NYC Department of Design and Construction, better known as uh, DDC. I'm sure they could tell us the exact date that the announcement was made. That's not going to hold us up here. What impresses me about this project is that it's actually gone across two different mayoral um, periods. So Mm. it started off in the Bloomberg periods. It's now in de Blasio's period. It's turned around and it's kept its momentum and we know the courage and the effort to go keep a project going is astounding. And that's the key that stood out to me. I mean, anyone who's worked in this space of transformation really knows that change takes courage, time and an ongoing commitment. So the fact that they've been able to stay in this for the long haul but have that transition and not lose the vision is amazing. Yeah, I'm really pleased to see this in the awards because one over the last five years, I've heard lots of presentations in New York about about this project, but they've actually announced it's finished, which right. is great. <laughs> but in that process, what they've been able to go do is they've improved the cross-city traffic by getting parts of Broadway and turning them into, say, cafe culture, street furniture that was out there without having that cross-traffic. It meant that there were more people that were circulating in the streets. What went from being, say, junk rentals that were probably the places that you don't want to have in your tourist um, destination have now become premium rentals mm-hmm. that are in there. Uh, you, you've just seen amenity improved. You've gone and you've seen the experience for people who are visiting New York improved. Across the board, this is an astounding project and uh, it's great to go see it in the New York Design Awards. So I'm going to actually throw you then across. We're heading across to, to Chicago. Chicago, I think. Um, and this is Morningstar Offices. Now, this this project really appealed to me as well because what they've done is they're focused around or recognise that workplaces ultimately create and generate people to be productive. And if people are happy and productive in their environment, what's that going to cause? You're going to get better outcomes um, for your overall organisation. And this is something that we've always thinking about at Aconex as well and working out, trying to develop these spaces which really get people thinking creatively. But it is a challenge, right? And these guys really seem to have nailed this space. They've used design thinking to and really work out how to get the most from the environment and the people. Yeah, and I think here, you know, for in the fintech sector, Morningstar have been a leader. They remain a leader. They need to be able to go and iterate their digital platform. 
as fast as anyone else. Probably they need to be ahead of the curve if you if you consider it. And for them to go and have a productive workplace with the highest productivity, that they're actually building a place for work which is actually purely focused around performance and quality, not being wearing on people, I think's um, fantastic. And it's brilliant work to go see in there. Um, we look forward to go see where that winds up in the Chicago Design Awards. I also think the photos that you've got on the site there, just really, straight away, you look at this and you say, this is an aspirational experience. And and I think they're also from a, a design culture perspective and also strategy. Anybody who's a contemporary of Morningstar or you might be in an allied um, role in another industry sector, to think that this is actually now the status quo. Yes, this is going to become the norm. Right? And and so so that's where I'll often think about that. We we normally don't have a a, a term for what's next. So yeah. this definitely is status next. Yeah, and, <laughs> I like it. And you've got to be able to turn around to the team and actually say, well, we now know what status next looks like. Status next tomorrow becomes the status quo. And if you're not at, at this level, you're actually now behind. And that's one of the beautiful things about focusing around culture and strategy is that your business needs to stay in the forefront. You don't want to be slipping backwards. So hopefully exposing people to these projects assists them with that. We're going to continue in Chicago. It's the Chicago Starbucks Reserve Roastery. Um, this is a concept space in, in the Chicago Design Awards. But what I love about it is this is the Apple Store of coffee. And look, when you look at it, it looks like an Apple store. Right? It is like, phenomenal. I, I was looking at this, the, it looks like an Apple store. But I, you know, I love Starbucks. And okay, we're from Melbourne. We've got fantastic co coffee culture here, right? So we know that um, when we go, Starbucks isn't going to be the best coffee. But hang on, hang on, hang on. You might be having normal Starbucks. This is the reserve roastery. And until you've had it, I need I, you to I hold that thought. I have to hold that thought. But look, clearly as a company, they're obsessed with learning and innovating. And they've had, we were talking about this earlier, that they've had some stumbles along the way. Some huge stumbles. Yeah, but it, it hasn't stopped them. Like, they continue to do really impressive experiences. And think about, it's not just selling a cup of coffee, right? It's the whole experience around that, that they have, are nailing and continuing to innovate on. Yeah, and what I, what I love about Starbucks is that they keep iterating and it's, you know, we've got a 30-week season here for the awards. We're going to be iterating every week. You see them iterate. And what they're doing is that they're actually stumbling. They're finding out what works. They then actually put that into their main gameplay. Then they find something else that they want to go iterate on. They're, they're putting that innovation into the market and they're, and they're achieving great results in there. Um, I, I'm looking forward to going and seeing it, but it's not going to be till 2019. So right. hopefully I can get one of those great <laughs> coffees somewhere else before I get the reserve roastery. Right. So Kirsten, you're now going to head across to Dubai. Yeah, and I'm looking at the Apple Dubai Mall. And what's interesting, we were just talking about um, Starbucks creating like an Apple-like store and experience. And, you know, Apple is known for their store experiences. And there's consistency around that. Yet every store seems to have something that's a bit unique around their experience. And what's fantastic about this example, and again, it's another one where you want to go and see the pictures to really get that full experience, but they've managed to bring in the retail space into their stall environment, and that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and and what I, what I also like about this um, Dubai Mall store is that they've worked out how to go bring the outside in, mm. in an environment which is 
um, you know, most of the time it's just way too hot. Yeah. But they've got these fantastic shutters that they and doors that they've put in, so that you're actually getting to go share that outdoor experience. And we've seen Foster and Partners has have been working with Apple in a range of their stores, working out how to go bring that outside in. Let's not hide this amazing future technology inside a store and purely leave it in the store. Let's go bring it out. So um, definitely. I'm looking forward to going and seeing how that performs in the London Design Awards. Now, I'm going to go actually into into a project here that I actually think is amazing because it deals with mental health. It's mm-hmm. uh, from a non-for-profit um, called SANE, and it's their bipolar app. Uh, they're doing a non-clinical trial, and uh, this is appearing in the next Design Awards. Uh, this project is their third foray into digital platforms. And what I've liked about SANE is that they've understood that people who are going to be impaired with uh, mental health uh, concerns are probably on a digital platform to start off with. And it may be the only thing that's close to them when they're actually having a, a, an episode or a crisis is their digital device. So why don't we go put that control in their hand immediately? And you have to admire the way that SANE has just embraced digital tech. And what I love about this is they're really thinking about contextual use. Like where where is this person actually going to need this help and what have they got available in that environment? And it's the phone, right, it, so that they can tap into. So um, the fact that they're really looking at that and how could we prevent um, a mania episode is really important. Yeah, and I think there's that, that the prevent is, uh, is actually interesting that one of the problems in mental health is that it's actually a very um, long feedback cycle mm. and we need people to get to quite extreme events before clinical intervention takes place. What I see that they're doing here is they're trying to work out how to use a buddy system and get intervention on, on the mania um, rising up for somebody who's who's inflicted with bipolar and work out that they're actually getting that support earlier so it doesn't become one of those circuit-breaking um, hospitalisation events that we can get to it earlier. Um, I think it's fantastic and I'm really impressed with the work they're doing. I'll be interested to see what comes out from their trial. Your last project and the last project we're doing today is in the Government Design Awards here. Record My Hours um, and this is by the Fair Work Ombudsman. Now what was really interesting about this is it's making sure people's rights are upheld and definitely for minority groups that don't necessarily know their rights. So it's really interesting to see that somebody is saying hey there's a problem in society here and there's a minority group that's potentially getting taken advantage of. How can we do something about that? So I think the fact that they've used digital in a really creative way, but also it's a fantastic government example, which let's face it, sometimes we struggle to see. Yeah, and to see how government is actually learning and innovating, you know, it's not just putting uh, government forms online. I think that was the mid-90s era. Now we're seeing what are the new opportunities? How can we go get into some of the wicked problems that exist in the government sector? And for the ombudsman, the issue was that they didn't have evidence of what was occurring. This is a great intervention. And if you were a dodgy operator, you've all of a sudden got a message that's saying, you're going to get caught out now. Stop doing some of the things you used to get away with. So, Kirsten, thank you for joining me this week. That's our nine projects that we've got through. Wow. <laughs> we've covered the globe. And we've been around the globe. We're no back. No and not exhausted. No, but, but I've got some important uh, – there's a couple of bits of business I need to do here. I do need to uh, remind our listeners the Tech Design Awards has a deadline which is coming up, which is the 11th of May, and that's 11.59 East Coast USA time. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, we also have uh, the Hong Kong Design Awards on the 18th of May have their standard deadline coming up and the Melbourne Design Awards on the 25th of May have uh, a standard deadline. So if you're in any of those programs, make sure that you're getting in, um, getting in before the deadlines. And also, if you've got your projects in, we can start talking about them. Well, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the other amazing things that are happening across the globe that we wouldn't have visibility at without these Design Awards. Yeah, and uh, thank you very much. And so, and so are we. We, we expect to see 10,000 uh, uh, projects this year, Jeez. and that'll cover over $100 billion of economic activity. So the, this is astounding um, what's ahead of us. It's been an absolute pleasure going through this with you this week, Kirsten. Thanks, Mark. And uh, we can't do this without the support of a range of people. Um, and uh, the way that we fund Driven by Design is the participation of, of various corporates and also design studios. So this week, there's a big thank you that goes out to the team at Bright Green, at Hoyne, Outwear, NBC Universal and Hilton. There's going to be links up so you can see the portfolio of work that they've had with the, with us in the awards in the past. And uh, to you, the listeners, make sure you get involved and uh, be driven by design. <laughs>